0: On May 1st, 2020, my world changed. Michael MacArthur passed away at 6 a.m. in the morning. I was lucky enough to call him my friend, my best friend. He dazzled on stage, sparked joy off stage, and always had the brightest light in any room. I've had the honor to work alongside Michael as a dancer and director. He amazed everyone with his incredible talent. I got the privilege to interview him to discuss his life and career on my podcast. Never did I think I would be using this footage to memorialize him so soon. I have kept the interview raw and unedited. You can hear his passion for dance, our excitement talking over each other, and his spot on advice for generations to come. Michael MacArthur, you will always be my best friend and I will always be the greatest fan of your life. I love you. I bet hers is funny. It is kind of funny, but I'm going to do it again to see if she can, if I can pull up more from her. Cool. Um, so, quickly, a quick overview. We'll do, like, it's just going to be probably like 20, 30 minutes. Um, I'll talk, we'll talk about how you got into performing and into entertainment, and then like what made you pursue it further to, to use it as a career. Some challenges you faced getting into it. Um, we'll talk a little bit about projects that you've like really liked doing and really had struggles with and then some new adventures that you're having like how you're using performing in new parts of your life and career and then we'll just do that top five things um, for being males in the performing industry okay
1: it's so great with this boys dance too thing
0: going on i know it's good and that's why i was i was i'm struggling to see if that even when I was posting about it, it was something that I was like, maybe do I need to jump on this bandwagon or do I need to, you know, make it a positive outlook? And I'm kind of just doing a positive outlook. And I just called like I called you and I called Casey. and I was like, oh, I need to get you guys going because I have a lot of females on this on this podcast, uh-huh. which is not a bad thing, but I need a new no. perspective. Yeah. All right. So yes, I'll edit it all down. I have an intro and an outro, and music and everything that I'll put on it. Oh,
1: what song? Or did you create your own song?
0: You have Fox to create. You have to. I didn't create. I had somebody else do it for me, but because of you know all these royalties, you have to get something done like specifically for you. So, yeah. but you call you go on Fiverr and it's like I got the my logo done for twelve dollars, and then I have my the song was like twenty bucks. Cool. And then my my friend in Australia did my voiceovers for free. Wow. Yeah. So it's like all in all, it's about like forty dollars, forty five dollars to do this. Brilliant. Which is good. Yeah. Okay, you ready? Yep. Okay, let's start. Hi, Michael, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing great. So, a lot of listeners, people are uh, wondering how I know you. We've known each other probably for the past 11 or 12 years, right?
1: More than that.
0: More? Wow, it seems
1: 2005.
0: Like... Whoa. That is... Yeah. That's almost 15 years. years. 14, 15 yep. years. That's amazing. Um, So I know a lot about you from when I met you, but what I don't know a lot about is how you actually got into your training and how you got into performing arts. Do you mind telling us a little bit about it?
1: Certainly. So my parents had me while they were in college and part of my daycare had a dance aspect. Uh And apparently it was the only part I enjoyed. Oh, that's good.
0: So you were moving at a super young age.
1: Yeah. Since age three, I was like, being taught dance and it was the only thing I do and my family said anytime music would come on I would be dancing and twirling nice.
0: and doing your about. thing <laughs>
1: yeah yeah so then because my mom has always loved dance and the arts and seeing shows so she put me in dance right away luckily and then I've just been in dance ever since
0: now that was you grew up in in Jersey I was I was born in North Carolina
1: and then I okay. started second grade in New Jersey
0: and is that did your mom put you Immediately, and when you guys moved to New Jersey, is that when she put you into dancing? Yeah. Correct. Perfect. Nice. So, you, so you sent, ever since the second grade, you've been dancing?
1: Yeah. And then I started to like recreationally, but then the competitive team saw me and they were like, oh, okay. you compete with us. And then I started competitive dancing.
0: So, when did you make that switch from recreation to a more regimented sort of competition um, style?
1: Sixth, sixth grade is when I
0: started competitions. Oh, wow. So you were probably, what, 13, 14? Yeah. Wow. So you went a while without without just kind of using it as a recreation.
1: Yeah. And I think, like, most dancers I know, like, we, I was with soccer first. So I was, like, doing recreational dancing one day a week and then plus soccer. Plus I'd be, like, doing, like, community theater shows gotcha. and, mm-hmm. like, dancing around my room. But then once the competitive team picked me up, I couldn't do soccer anymore. So I switched, like, full-time to dance.
0: So how uh, – what – you're thinking about – you know taking fully into the stance like you said did you want to was it something that you wanted to was it your parents that kind of pushed you into it or was it a group decision no, it,
1: it was fully me and i remember being in like the outfield of the soccer field and mm-hmm. like i was dancing i would miss balls because i was like kickball changing instead of like paying attention to the, <laughs> the play on the field or whatever it's called yeah yeah so of course my mom so and then i like got a scholarship to competitive dancing because you know money was tight with for my mm-hmm. parents and so I was like, if this is an opportunity, I'm, of course, going to do that. And my dad was a sports guy and, like, a football coach, and he just tried to force that on me. And, like, dance mm-hmm. was never forced on me. I just always enjoyed doing it. So I was like, I can be free here, and no one in my family really knows it. So I can this would be my thing, and and I just loved it. Like, I've always loved watching it and doing it and seeing it and being a part of it.
0: Now, you mentioned your dad being a sports guy. Did you feel like you had the support of your whole entire family moving and transitioning into dance full time? Or did you feel like part of them were were a little iffy?
1: Um, Part of them were a little iffy. And I think Mm -hmm. it's not an easy career, obviously. And even like last year, I had my uncle ask me. He was like, so what are you going to do after this? And like, I'm Mm -hmm. 33 years old. And I was like, what do you mean after this? I was like, I've come too far to only come this far. I was like, this is what I will be doing. And I think people just think once you're on stage, like once you're off stage, you're done. But there's so right. many other things to do besides be on stage. Mm-hmm. And I just a lot of normal, quote unquote, people don't understand that.
0: Sure. Yeah. And I mean, I think parents in general don't want to see their kids struggling a lot. And that is a big a big part of this business is there is a little bit of struggle that happens as you're getting into it as you are, you know, as even when you're in it, when you're at the height of your success, there is a lot of struggle. And I think parents just don't want that for their kids. But I think deep down inside, there's it's the passion that everybody drives through.
1: Absolutely. You're, and like go ahead. one minute of applause is worth like oh. a whole year of saying getting no's at auditions. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. of course and know, I will say like my mom has always been a hundred percent supportive so I've always mm-hmm. had her and that so that's where I've always sort of felt safe because I know that if yeah. I couldn't pay our rent or I couldn't do anything I always had my mom and that was yeah. never questioned and I've always that's been like my safety net is knowing my mom fully supports me and I've mm-hmm. had
0: that well it's great because you know I, I, you you hope for every kid to have at least you know both parents one parent somebody supporting them in their family and sometimes it's hard and when there there are people out there that are that are doing it single-handedly by themselves, you know, so there are, um, you see all of the different uh, outlets out there, of course. But you were saying, so you switched full-time to competition dancing when you were in sixth grade, so at what point are you deciding, like, in your high school, are you going to go to school, are you going to dance, what route are you going to take after, you know, your school days are over?
1: Well, luckily, I went to a performing arts high school. Oh, nice, okay. Okay. Yeah, um, in Howell, New Jersey, the Freehold Regional Fine and Performing Arts Center. Oh, cool. Um, and I think being there, and plus, like, I was chosen for Governor's School of the Arts my junior year of high school, which, yeah. it doesn't happen anymore in New Jersey, but it was one of 12 dancers in my junior year to go to this four-week program for the summer. And I think mm-hmm. I just, it's the only thing that stuck to me and made sense to me, and yeah. I think people around me were, were like, you're actually somewhat good at this and getting better and there is progress and there was Mm -hmm. nothing else I wanted to do so I just put my mind to it and I worked as hard as I could and I made sure that it was what I did for the rest of my life
0: yeah so 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 when what age were you that you're like I'm gonna do this I'm gonna I have to make this work for me I think it was junior year of high school because I remember
1: leaving the governor's school of the arts that summer and I have never cried that hard in my entire life gotcha yeah like Mm -hmm. my mom even was like are you okay like she's never seen me (laughs) act like that like i was walking to the car after our final show with like all my suitcases and stuff and i was like bawling hysterically and she was like are you okay like does something hurt like what happened And i was like i just this was the best four weeks of my life and i met (laughs) like i was surrounded by people in the arts i was doing great stuff with great choreographers i got to like choreograph a lot and like work with musicians like it was the best four weeks of my life up until that point
0: and i just didn't want it to
1: end and i think that's when i knew i was like i have to do this for the rest of my life
0: yeah, that rush of, that you know, performing is addicting. And you really yeah. do have to... And then, you know, that's kind of... My story kind of parallels with that one. It was my junior year of high school when I was like, I have to do this. You know, I have to find out how far I can go with all of this. And it um, and there are a lot of struggles. What struggles did you face transitioning, knowing that you wanted to do this full-time, you know, in school or even transitioning to go into college?
1: Um, I think the main struggle... Well, like, I never wore tights until my college audition. And I oh. think, like, yes. Wow, Growing okay. up and having that stigma and the bullying, like, was... I got mm-hmm. jumped once walking home from school. And, like, I took a year off the dance because of that. Yeah. And I think just the, the bullying in general. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this because of the pressure and the prejudice. And, like, I know my dad wasn't fully supportive. And just, mm-hmm. it was that. But it was the only thing that really made me happy. So I was like, mm-hmm. I have to do this for myself so it was like kind of talking myself off my own ledge Mm -hmm. but i would say that was the main struggle it wasn't financially because like i had a good scholarship for school and i was living in new york like money wasn't an issue really and so i think it was just more of a mental thing that i had to get over like i can do this i will do this i want to do this so Mm -hmm. it's up to me to do this
0: yeah and then you so you you said you were in new york what's remind me again what school did you go to (laughs) marymount manhattan college marymount when did you when did you start marymount
1: Two thousand eight, nope.
0: Two thousand four. <laughs> I, like, I graduated 2008. in
1: two thousand eight. <laughs> two
0: thousand eight, yeah. So, yes. So in the meantime, you're you're at Marymount. You're with a brand new set of people. Um, what experiences are you like loving about this new decision that you're making?
1: Well, luckily, growing up in New Jersey, I was only about an hour and fifteen minute bus ride from my house to Port Authority. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we I close. I knew the city very well, and like I have family that lives in the city. So I've been in and out of the city my whole life. There are days that I would tell my mom I'm going to do homework at a friend's house, but I was actually taking a bus to the city to go take Michelle Asaf's lyrical class. Nice. Nice. So I knew the city and it was just good to be here full time and living here in my own dorm and mm-hmm. just study and dance with New York professionals that I would usually go pay to take their class. But now five days a week I was committed. So, so it just felt it like what me. I was, yeah, what I was secretly doing for all those years in high school I was doing on purpose now.
0: Yeah. So you just, you dived in. You went in. You went to Marymount. And you said you graduated with your BFA? You have your BFA in it? Correct.
1: BFA with a choreography focus.
0: Nice. But I think you took some time off,
1: did you not? Yes, that's the year we met. So I did my freshman year, and I hated it.
0: Oh, okay. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes. And then I... The year before, the summer between my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college, I worked at Hershey Park. It was my first professional job. I was the swing. I was dancing with people. And after working and then going back to school, I was like, no. And at Hershey is when I auditioned for Stiletto Entertainment for Holland America. And they Mm -hmm. offered me my first job. So I was like, let me take sophomore year off because my school did a maintenance of matriculation. So I could just hold my credits. Like, it was easy. Mm -hmm. So I did that. And then I... Did the ship and that's where we met that summer and then I yeah. got pulled off one ship to do the inaugural Nordam and right. I did a full year of ships almost but it was ships that made me realize I still have a lot to learn and made me go back ah. to school so it's kind of gotcha. like school made me want to work but then work made me want to go back to school yeah yeah
0: yeah. So then, so you did all those things, and I mean, of course, we met, and you had the great success on chips, and then you're back in school, and I'm, you're now in your senior year. What, what are you, what are you thinking? What are, you, what are your teachers telling you? What's, what's kind of going through your mind about your next step? Are you going to pursue? Are you not going to pursue? How far are you going to go in depth with it? Like, what's going through your head with all this?
1: Well, I remember I was so because I missed the one year, I had to do two full years of school. It was like summer semester into fall into winter into spring into summer into fall into winter into spring oh so i went to school for two years straight and right out of there i had two job offers it was radio city christmas spectacular and okay. the non-union moving out tour oh yes and it was like the same week i got the phone call for both
0: uh-huh so why did you, why do you was... wind up choosing
1: well, and then there was also like the Stephen Petronio Dance Company. It was oh. like three of us from my college that were like up to be a company member, and my friend Josh Twazon got it. He's perfect for the company, but yeah. it was the paychecks that really determined sure. my future. No, it's, because it's like true. moving out was 450 a week, yeah. non-union, mm-hmm. and I did worked with Twyla Tharp at Marymount because Katie Langen, the director of Marymount, she was a company member of Twyla and Anthony Farrow, too. So yeah. getting to work with Twyla, I did already. Yeah. And moving out, they weren't giving us parts. They're like, everyone's gonna learn everything in rehearsal and then we Ooh. will assign before you go out on the road. And I was like, so I didn't okay. really know what I was doing. Plus the money was like a fraction of what Radio City Christmas show was providing. Right.
0: So I was yeah. like, let me
1: go for the money because I just graduated college and I have yeah. student loans
0: and mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you it's you went with Radio City, which is I, I mean, humongous, humongous corporation. I mean they produced some amazing talent and how many years did you stay with radio city
1: i ended up doing that show for 10 consecutive christmases
0: whoa and so remind explain to everybody how long is the christmas season for radio city like from start from day number one in you know rehearsals to the very last day how long is it
1: um every year was different because mm-hmm. it was mainly middle of september until like the first week or two of january overall but it okay. depended if you were doing the tours at the time. I did the final year, of the arena tour. I've done Nashville and I've done New York, and they all had different starts and stops. But generally, it's like the last three months of the year.
0: Last three months, okay. And yeah. how? So you're you're entering the ensemble. You're doing the tours. You're doing in New York City. How many shows a week are you doing? How much how much time are you devoting now to this to Radio City?
1: That was that's six days a week for two six months. Days a week.
0: Okay. And because it's
1: Agva, their show scale is twelve shows to sixteen shows a week. And New York oh. at peak yeah, at gotcha. peak season in New York you're doing sixteen shows a week. Whoa. Granted still it's
0: a ninety all... minute show, but still. Yeah. It's... yeah. But you uh, see, normal all the Broadway gamer, is... But there's Correct. a lot of work that goes into it. Sixteen oh, yeah. shows that are ninety minutes long on that humongous stage. I mean it's it looks like it's all fun and games, but it really is you really have to train yourself for that.
1: You do not have a life for three months.
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, I remember. I remember a lot of my friends, you included, have done it and had great success there. And I mean, I would, you would barely see them during the holiday season. And because you guys were dancing so much, you guys were whittling away to nothing from 16 uh-huh. shows a week. You know, really trying yeah. to just stay in shape on top of it. I mean, it, it's it's a machine that's really run really well, but there is a lot of hard work that goes into it for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah like January uh, was always recovery.
0: Yeah no it's yeah. it's true and a lot of people are that way they had to take time off and you have to go on vacation and you have to like learn to live again and not right. die after
1: but then it was so, like with the moving out like radio city yeah. gave me that longevity the moving out tour ended and sure i yeah. could have maybe done the moving out tour and then came under radio city the next year but i don't live in the what if yeah and no mo- moving out would have never given me 10 years of that stability
0: no, I think you said it right, is we, there's so many jobs that come up and, you know, that are presented to themselves, and you go a different route, and you really just can't say, like, what if I would have taken that job, or what if I would have, you know, stepped foot on that stage, because you never know if you could be injured, or if you could, if that show was going to close, or what opportunity was going to then present itself, because you didn't take that one, so you're really right, you really just have to live in those moments, and I really think that 10 years is is a great, career with Radio City. Um, Thank you. So speaking, so you're, you have a pretty pretty good career with Radio City, but you made you decided to make a, a switch in your career and start learning again, is that correct? Teaching or learning? What have you been doing since since you decided to leave Radio City? Um, well, last
1: year, so I love doing a Christmas show, obviously.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So last year I started doing the Walt Disney World Christmas show, and I'm going back this year for my second year.
0: Nice. Uh-huh. How long does how yeah. long
1: does that Disney show last? That is the beginning of November until New Year's Eve.
0: Okay. Yes. So right then after we rehearsed the they have like a well Halloween August. thing, right? Correct.
1: Yeah. But so then you're then their there. Last show, the Halloween show's Halloween night and then we tech that whole next week and then we open.
0: Oh, I see. But you said you just said that you started in August, right?
1: Um no, Halloween starts in August. I start uh, at the end of September, yeah. We rehearsed September. the whole month of October. Yeah.
0: Oh okay. Well that's nice. So you did Which is just for... like
1: Radio City, but
0: Yeah. I mean, but it's Florida and it's Disney World. But it's I mean, Florida. It's new... And I'm It's a new thing.
1: Yeah. I'm working for my favorite mouse and I'm dancing outside, not inside, and I'm not dealing with New York at Christmas.
0: Yeah. I mean yeah. it's it's Disney at Christmas. I mean it's it's equally as it's equally as fun, right?
1: More fun, I think. But I'm also a huge Disney fan and nerd, so yeah, yeah, it's, I know. It's
0: a dream come true. Have we ever, have we been to Disney together before? I believe so. I believe so, and Universal. I think we've done all those there. Um, but you said so. You you've been doing uh this Disney Christmas uh show last year, but you have other projects, new adventures that you've taken on. Correct? Correct. So what I also some- like I
1: work at the um the Metropolitan Opera.
0: Oh, right. I forgot yes. about that.
1: Yeah. I've been there for the last three years. This will be my first year that I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, there. I also, this year, I work a lot with the Fosse estate. Okay. Um, and this year they named me and my friend Alyssa Epstein are the Fosse estate protégés because nice. a lot of the veterans are teaching Fosse's work. And now with the Fosse Vernon TV series on FX, just the Fosse name is sort of have a fire lit under it. So the veterans are getting older, as dancers do, and are not mm-hmm. as physically able, and Nicole Fossey, Bob and Gwen's daughter, doesn't want her dad's work and mom's work to die. So they named her and I the protégés this year, and just, we've been sort of learning from everyone and documenting the work, and just, we're like the torch passers for yeah. the next generation. So that's been really fun to get to learn from everyone and work and, like, see old footage that no one else has seen, like, see Bob's original Chicago, and... Wow. I also recently went to Amsterdam for four weeks because a college over there um, set 14 of Bob's works. 14? 14. And like Whoa. the Lloyd Colbreth and Valerie Pettiford were supervisors and they're like doing it Bob's way. With the Fosse wow. show that was on Broadway was sort of like Anne Reinking and Gwen fixing yeah. and ter- changing things. But what we did in Amsterdam was what was on video and what's been archived and documented from Bob's Whoa. original stuff. Yeah.
0: So, as a protege, you're now back kind of into a learning role again, almost like a. Like you're back in school with this whole entire. Yeah. This whole entire. I mean, Bob Fosse's uh, legacy is so deep within the dance world. What are, you, what are some things that you are learning that have surprised you about the technique and the, the whole. The whole um, time span of his, his stuff? Well, like, for my own choreography, like,
1: we every choreographer has their favorite steps. And you look at a lot of choreographers today on their YouTube accounts and Instagrams, you'll be yep. like, this is, this is their five favorite steps. And mm-hmm. Bob said that he always had five steps, too. But he never did them the same way twice. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's sort of fascinating. To be like, well, there's the Sweet Charity version of this jump. There's the Mexican Breakfast version of this jump. Like, every – he did everything – different in every dance because it depends on what the costume was what the music was like who was doing it how many people so you can boil everything down to his five main steps There's mm-hmm. more than five i think but he said five um and i think it's inspired me to be like i have my favorite steps of course but how can i do it differently now it's a different song it's a different day and it's the same kickball change but what can i do to make it better or different or not the same as usual so yeah that's been my favorite thing learning about his stuff
0: nice is, yeah
1: how to change stay true to you but to make it a little bit different
0: yeah and you're working with all these you're working with all these really really big name people within within his style within the dance world what's some advice that they're passing on to you that you're like kind of grabbing onto? that it's more about a feeling than it is about Ooh. a step
1: yeah which is another reason i love Bob's work mm-hmm. like it's not a bot mob but it's like it's almost like raising your arm to ask a question it's like a leg going in the air like it's a, and it's always very musical and like the music to me determines everything if someone's like i'm a cor- come a contemporary dancer i'm a tap dancer like i'm a, the dancer of the music so you could put any song on and i'm going to dance to that music
0: and that's wow, sort of how yeah. bob
1: was too and a lot of oh. the people that have worked with him just they always felt appreciated and they felt seen because he would watch the dancer and, like, sort of fine-tune them, not his mm-hmm. work. It wasn't about so much him. It was about making them look as good as they could doing what he wanted.
0: Wow, yeah. Of course, yeah. that seems like a lot. So so you're doing this new Christmas Spectacular. You're doing Legacy. You've stopped. You did You did a couple years, three years at the Met. What do you think your next steps are going to be? Maybe, like, five, ten years from now. What do you think you want to be doing?
1: Um, I've thought about getting my master's to then oh. teach at a college I do love teaching and I think as dancers we have to remain students but also mm-hmm. we work so hard to learn so much that I don't want it to end with me
0: yeah but
1: I wanted to I want to pass on everything I've learned I want to be the person that I wish I had as a young
0: dancer did you ever was teaching something that you really wanted to do when you were growing up
1: um I've always loved choreographing and creating so yeah it started that way, but then I've slowly learned how to teach and how to verbalize what I was thinking. And now I really do love teaching. Yeah. And a lot of people say that like dance teachers, like are just dancers who can't do it anymore, but I fully don't agree with that. And I like the saying where coaches don't play.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, it is so true. I mean, dancer, dance teachers, because, and I've noticed this a lot about people that are my friends or in my generation or our generation, I should say, um, because we have so much knowledge. At some point, you're like, "What do I do with it?" You know, because you're almost feeling exactly. selfish that you're holding on to all of it. Like, so many mentors and so much information is getting passed on to you through this, you know, legacy program with Bob Bossi and his and his estate. That why would you why would you just go home every night and just sit on the couch and not tell anybody? You know, the more people that know, the 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 wider scope you have um of people knowing about it so i that's the same way i'm feeling you know i want to tell people i want to tell kids what i know and try to help them and hopefully one day you know somebody finds success if it's in dance or if it's in performing or if they can use those tools to help them with whatever you know some some kids are wanting to be doctors and but they started out dancing and they have fun and they you know they figure out how to enjoy life through that and have fun Absolutely. And I think dance history is so important. Yeah. Yeah. Like everyone, like the
1: history of math, the history of the country, the history of everything is great. But the history of dance also is very important. And I like even I was teaching in Virginia last week and I brought up Martha Graham and no one in the room had heard of her. Yeah. And I was like talking about like a contracted hand and we were doing hinges, and like I was just like then I stopped the class, I pulled up YouTube and I was like, A dancers today are lucky because you have YouTube and you have that, but dance history like nothing our our bodies can only move so many ways like our joints can only do so many things Mm -hmm. so most of it's been done already and a lot of people today don't i don't think give enough credit to the past yeah and it's just important to me
0: do you think do you think that because there is this generation that's growing up with youtube and social media that there is a that the history part's gone because they can pull up something that's even more current or even that's, you know, there are great people that are doing things that are ahead of the times. You know, there's some choreographers out there. There's some movement people that are really ahead of their times. But do you think that's hindering people from learning about the past? You know, how many people do you know that have pulled up, like you said, Martha Graham choreography or Isadora Duncan stuff? Are you finding that kids these days are are not looking back, but looking too far forward? Um, I
1: do. And I think people are going with the trends.
0: Sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Especially, like, the world of, da- like, contemporary is very big now. But, like, when I was competing and growing up, contemporary didn't exist. Contemporary ballet yeah. existed with, like, Desmond Richardson and complexions. And,
0: mm-hmm.
1: But then I say things like Forsyth or Gaga or uh, yeah. Killian, and
0: kids mm-hmm. are like, who's
1: that? And I'm like, you cannot call yourself a contemporary dancer and not know any of these names. Right. So that's where I think history is important, and I don't know if people are telling the kids the history because of egos, and like, they want... Children to think that they created it. Oh,
0: interesting take.
1: And and like, yeah. And to me, like, you cannot have an ego in dance. Like, we do not own any of this. Like, we are lucky and we are vessels that get to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, to me, it's just more informational and educational when we can say, like, this is where this comes from, and it makes you understand it more, and it gives you a source and something to look back on. Yeah.
0: No, really. No, I've just been thinking about that what you said, like, um. We're just vessels. I mean, it doesn't matter how how or what we do. It's it's again, like you said, it's five steps. You know, we all know the play. We know we all know how to jump. We all know how to turn. Yes. We all know how to do all those things. It's creating that movement into different ways. And you know, and like you said, you're you're really into this protege project and this legacy with Bob Fosse. And I mean, who else developed a step better than Bob Fosse? You know, it's it's insane what he did with with movement for people. It's crazy. Yes. Um, so teaching, going back to school, masters in choreography or just masters in teaching or? Um, the
1: dream would be mm-hmm. to run like the choreography portion of the dance program and maybe a teach high jazz at a college. Okay.
0: College level. Choreography, college but level. teach jazz as well.
1: Cause the hard, th- like I want, I like, I love teaching kids that know that they want to do it. And it's sometimes yeah. hard to work as hard as we do as teachers
0: <laughs> are you okay
1: excuse me um it's so hard what we do as teachers is so hard that if mm-hmm. the child does not care it's just it's impossible at times you're literally yeah. pulling teeth from a tiger and yeah so yeah. that's like college because i know that they're there because they want to be because it's at that point you're doing this on purpose
0: mm-hmm. now um, are you are you a uh, this might seem really interesting, or might sound strange, maybe. Are you pro-experience or pro-school?
1: Uh, my personal story is both.
0: Okay, you're a mix. You're pro-both. pro, pro
1: both. I'm pro-both.
0: You need school,
1: and you need real-life experience. Gotcha. I know. Yeah, that's that's a, a, it's a hard answer.
0: It's but a like, hard one, st- you know... Both have pros and cons. Yeah, and you know it takes. There, I see the pros in all of them. We you have to take a good duration of time out of your of of your career to go to school, but. There are amazing things that happened from that growing up and learning new things and, you know, learning about stuff that you may you may not learn from just going out and experiences. But I also find the benefit and see the benefit in going out there and just really diving deep and learning out how to, you know, audition and those things that people didn't tell you about. But you are for Correct. both and how and why. Yeah.
1: Well, I have I know many people that never went to school. Yeah. And I So, I know what that looks like. And then I have some people who did go to school and then didn't really do anything after school. Right. So, I've seen both ends of the spectrum. I've also Mm -hmm. feel like school gives you more longevity. Okay. Because I have some who never went to school and then they're an older dancer whose careers have sort of dwindled out and then they have nothing to do. Gotcha. And they don't like, then they're almost starting over with something new because you can't be in your early 30s going to school for dance really. For what?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could go back to school. I mean, but at at some point for a to different go, reason. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you're, you know, and like you said, you want to go back to school for choreography. And when you enter school again in your thirties, forties, fifties, or however old you're going to be, it takes a whole new light. You know, it's something totally different. To go back, um, like, what
1: are some- to be an eighteen-year-old taking modern eight thirty in the morning is great. But if I was to now be a thirty-three-year-old taking eight thirty modern, it'd be a whole different story.
0: Yeah, or, you know, that 9 a.m. ballet class, you know, for two and a half yeah. hours. I remember. I, I don't know if I, my body could handle. No, but
1: I have one friend recently who got her master's, but she was teaching while she got her master's. Wow. Yeah. So that would be, like, something I would look into. Wow.
0: That's a lot. Like, she was that teaching
1: t- teaching freshmen while getting, like, and that was what was paying for her to get her master's while she was taking her classes at night.
0: Oh, so she was, like, what do you, what do you call that? Like, a teaching assistant, sort of. Think. Sort of,
1: yeah. She was like working
0: at the college in the morning and then taking yeah.
1: her own masters at night.
0: Yeah. Awesome. That's so good. I mean, I love how programs try to, you know, um, utilize different times to help people really succeed. Um, Absolutely. What are What are some things that people didn't tell you in school that you wish they did to help you with experiences after college?
1: I think for a dancer, the main thing was finances.
0: Ah yes bingo we even talked about it you know you were leaving college and you had to decide between moving out or radio city so yeah, but even
1: like even learning about like a 1099 versus a w2 versus a w4 and then your 401k and then unions and like all like the financial background part of dance is what's something I wish yes
0: did. bingo. And those are really super important, and it's the it's the W-2 and the 1099. I mean, how yeah. many, how many of those pieces of paper have you had to fill out in one year? You know, it's, oh. it's it becomes insane. This year alone was like seven. Yeah, and you're like, I think I just filled this out already, and you're like, somebody yeah. knew, somebody knew, somebody knew. I have like a whole stack of them in like a folder that I can just like fill out and just hand this to the next person. But yes, there come.
1: was one year I had to file in eight different states
0: oh no because you're yeah. all of your 1099s
1: yeah and because i was like touring and then i was like doing like regional shows at different cities yep. so
0: yeah wow yeah
1: my accountant did not like me.
0: <laughs> no but i mean you had to, you had to learn it at some point so yeah i had to learn and then
1: like at one point i made so much money in 1099 that tax season like would
0: killed me so i had to Boom. learn that
1: mistake like you can't always work 1099 jobs like Getting that money at that time is not as important as next April when you don't have that money, and then you're going to pay it all back.
0: Yeah. Well, 1099 jobs are great, but you have to save money. Be- just because it's yes. you know, rounded number, just because it give you $100 doesn't mean that that job then is $100. You have to then set aside you know, 30%, 40% just to make sure that that $100, you have enough money to uh-huh. pay on taxes. Yeah. It's, yep. it's a thing. It's a thing, I tell you. It's a thing. All right, Michael, so let's do a little top five. So what would be a top five advice giving to males that want to come into the performing arts world? Um, Let it be alone dance or theater, acting, singing, you know, um, drawing, painting, all of those things. Well, definitely
1: partnering as a male dancer partnering yeah. it's hard okay. to find great partners gotcha. and i see yeah. it a lot now in like callbacks and shows and it's partnering is its own art form and we don't do it often
0: You do you think that that's not done often because there I aren't think enough partnering boys? classes
1: or like partnering classes aren't often and like if a boy and a girl like are good friends like hey let's go to this partnering class together but it's awkward at times when a boy and a girl are just put together There's always that like weird wall up, but a good partner is hard to find. I've seen happen a lot in my career.
0: Yeah. So partnering, that's a good, that's really good advice. And yeah, I think the more interest in partnering. Yeah. And the more that boys get into dancing or, you know, that get further along in dancing, it's something that that you have to start training at. But also I think adversely too on the opposite side of that is like weight training as well, because that's a new thing that's, not a new thing, but it's something that you really have to take into account, too. So when you're going to be partnering, you have to make sure that you're equally as strong to support and lift and do all those things as the with the girl there as well. Correct.
1: Yeah. And also makes you stable in, like, yourself because if you're lifting someone or holding someone, you have to make sure they look good. But then you also have to mm-hmm. be aware of what you're doing. So it yeah. kind of, like, makes you self-aware without worrying about yourself so much.
0: Mm-hmm. No, for sure. That makes sense. Okay, yeah. so partnering, that's – it's an art form that's definitely yeah. is – Going places, not fast enough. Um, okay, partnering is number one. What's What's the next one? The next one would be versatility. Versatility, how so? Especially in today's dancers,
1: like, well, I'm a contemporary dancer. Like, you should be able to do whatever someone wants you to do. With, like, tap, jazz, street jazz, theater, mm-hmm. hip-hop, any style. They could put on any track. And I, one teacher always taught me, like, if you can only do one style, you can only get one paycheck. It's so like the more you can do, the more paychecks, the more opportunities you can have. So if you say that you only do this or that, you're only going to be able to do this or that. But if you say that you can do everything, you're going to work more and be able to do everything. And it just opens yeah. your horizons more. And I yeah, think yeah. people pigeonhole themselves too much and you should be able to, like, dance is dance. There's mm-hmm. no iron dance.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah.
1: So, and um, I just, I've always prided myself on my versatility and I've never been afraid to go into any dance class. I'm like, I don't just take jazz class, like, take every class. Go learn from other people, learn other cultures, and everything yeah. influences everything. So, just take everything.
0: Yeah, of course. Do you think this appeal on, on, shows that are on tv on youtube on wherever social media content that people see is driving people just to be one-sided for say like i know there's a lot of there's a lot of hip-hop that's really coming mainstream now we're seeing a lot of it in a lot of tv shows and on youtube do you think that that's just driving kids ideas that that's what they should be doing only
1: i don't know I think that could be personal case to case. Well, like where I think so you think you can dance, they pick them based on their one thing, but they make them do every style.
0: Gotcha. Which Mm
1: -hmm. I appreciate because, but then you'll notice like this one, the girl is claiming to be a hip hop dancer, but she's good at everything. It's just the hip hop is her strongest suit.
0: Because they kind of, you kind of have to decide how you're going to in on that show, but you wind up then doing a whole bunch of other things. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Like you mm-hmm. can say you're a blonde, but then you can
1: dye your hair and become a redhead in five minutes.
0: Yeah, or you can put a wig it's like, on. Like, yeah,
1: like you can be anything. So yeah, don't just say you're. I don't
0: know. No, but for and sure, that, versatility is, yeah. is is key because I think I one I was talking to Erica the other day and she said the same thing. She says she didn't. Her Michelle didn't want her going into an audition not knowing what to do. You know, so if it was a ballet one, she prepared them to do that, you know, so that she could, they went in there and they felt confident at any time. And I think That's the case. You want to be able to go into something. And if the breakdown says we're going to do a musical theater combination and all of a sudden you're you're ready to, you know, there have a ballet combination there for you and you're like, OK, we're ready to go. You don't want to be shying away. So I totally agree on the versatility aspect of it.
1: Okay, Absolutely. So, and like Broadway seasons, like there could be no shows that are in your style that year.
0: So you're just not going to work for a year? Yeah.
1: yeah. You, you can't wait for the show. Like, you need to be ready to be in any show.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like one season, it was just like a bazillion ballet things. And it yes. was like, everybody was running around doing ballet classes for a whole season. <laughs> um, okay, great. So we have partnering, versatility. What's the third one?
1: I would say your luck. I've recently dealt oh. with this with a young male dancer. He has a very... Mm-hmm. Like, the music man is coming back to Broadway. Okay. And he has a very modern haircut today. So we he's a great dancer, but we think he got cut because of his haircut. Like, he has mm-hmm. a hard part, like, yeah. no, like a high and tight fade. And I was like, your haircut gave you away. So I think your look, like, knowing what you want to be seen as and knowing what you're going in for. And some, like, I don't always have the haircut I want, but I have the haircut appropriate for the job I'm doing. Yeah, and Like, I love to have facial hair, but some, like, Disney will not let me do it. So do I not do that job because I want a beard, or do I just shave my face for three months because I want to work at Disney? Like, so it's a your look determines a lot about your fate sometimes, especially in this career, which is sad Mm -hmm. to say. But I think it's a respect thing, and like a, it's almost like a uniform.
0: Yeah, and that kind of goes maybe hand in hand. I think that doing that, doing your research before, you know, finding out about the music band, what you need to know about it.
1: Yeah, uh, like the period, what
0: year it took place, all that stuff you could easily spend, you know, five minutes, get a whole Wikipedia, you know, up on it and find out what the decades were, you know, and then from there move on to what the styling was, you know, and it takes five minutes and it shows yes. that you made the effort to, to do that. I mean, and that's that's not just dancers, you know, singers. No, that's actors. everybody. Well, yeah, yeah really... like
1: you always, you should dress for the job that you want.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: And dancers especially. And especially where it's a visual sport, so people are looking at us first. And if you look like you're in the year 2020 you're not going to be hired for a show that's in
0: 1920 yeah and then yeah. i mean on, on the totally opposite end of the spectrum you you've had you've had experiences in more commercial style dancing where your look has to be exaggerated and you have to make sure that you're you know what part you're going in for and if you are the boy next door, but you know it's this punk rock sort of situation that's happening, this tour that's coming along, you have to make sure that you're doing your part to fit into that to that look. Because so many times it's just a one and done look sort of you're in, we look at you, done, gone. Absolutely. Yeah. Like even
1: I have tattoos covering my thighs and there was one show that I have not booked because of them. Because it was oh. a period they had a oh. period swimsuit section and we were in like the 1960s shorts. And they're like, no one would have these tattoos in the 60s. And it wasn't worth covering up my tattoos every night. Yeah. So I, nope. I didn't get that job because of my tattoos. But then there have been other jobs where they celebrated my t- tattoos. I did an yeah. industrial where they custom made me pants so they could see my tattoos.
0: Yeah. And you never so, like, know, you just have, you know. You never know.
1: And you yeah. have to just live with your decision and own it. And But if you could help or guide or show casting that you can look like this, it just mm-hmm. it does help at times.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So we have partnering, versatility, look. What else do you got for me?
1: I would definitely say just to be true to yourself and trust your gut. At the end of the day, like we lay in bed alone and Mm -hmm. it's up to us. So if you want to do it, do it. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. But you have to, this career is too hard and we deal with a lot of bad, but so, but our hearts are the happiest when we listen to ourselves and do what we love to do and Every dancer loves to dance. So you just have to remember mm. that. And I think just be true to yourself and trust your gut. And no matter what yeah. other people are saying, and it's so hard not to listen to people or the bullying or the bad advice or the ridicule or the pessimism, but we know how good we feel when we do what we love. And you just have to remember that and trust that and
0: listen mm. to ourselves. Yeah, of course. Who are some people that you turn to when you are feeling, you just need that little push over the edge for you know some making a decision listening to yourself listening to your gut or do you do you like talking to your family or do you talk, do you may, mainly turn towards your friends
1: i mainly turn towards tor- i mainly to- i mainly turn towards my friends yeah it's that turn towards i couldn't get out <laughs>
0: people that um, have been but... in the experience or people that are totally outside of the experience
1: People that have been in the experience. I think especially with what we do, we get underestimated a lot and they don't know about all the background, like all the work that goes into this. Mm -hmm. So to them, what could be an easy decision is very hard for us. So I always like to go to people that know the situation and know what I'm talking about. And I'll like outsource to three or four different friends with three or four different astrological signs and just get a few opinions. (laughs) But it's definitely always performers or people that are in my industry just to get what they would do. Like if this was you, what would
0: you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I am the same way. I you know, I love talking to my family about things, but I have to reach out you know to people, to you, to Calvin, to anybody you know that that. Sometimes you just need to talk, and then just hearing like a yes or a no, no explanation needed. That's more than enough sometimes, because you know. Absolutely. You yeah. um, okay. What's number five for you? <sighs> number five. So we have you have partnering. And those skills versatility and you know try, doing ballet modern contemporary all those things um we have the look of course your look is super important and then trusting your gut and everything what do you think the last one would be
1: i would say like i don't like to say the word backup plan like i know okay. friends that are like well this is my plan b but like if you have a plan b 95 percent of the time i think people use them Mm -hmm. so I've always wanted to be a dancer or a choreographer or in this field so I've never had a plan B but I've had other hobbies and interests to take my mind off of dance or to like if I get fed up or frustrated I have other things to do
0: so it's Mm -hmm. not it's
1: like other things to do I would say like I love arts and crafts and interior design because I'm still creating and I'm still making things and like I'm rearranging pillows instead of people in a formation
0: (laughs) yeah so it's just
1: yeah it's something else to do yeah right
0: Still being and like, creative. I always think
1: people like my parents, for example, they'll come home from work and they don't want to talk about work, but they'll come right. home from work and want to know everything I did because they think my life is so interesting. And I'm like, you don't want to come home and talk about accounts payable. So I don't want to come home and talk about the audition I went to all day.
0: Yeah. That, you know, could have, you know, you go to the audition and you try your hardest. And of course I'm majority of the time not all the the best outcomes so it's not like you want to rehash that whole situation all over again so i get it exactly so
1: you come home and then you you choreograph your whole meal for dinner instead of dealing with people and dancers who talk back or don't get the triple pirouette you need on count seven and eight like
0: Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah.
1: use inanimate objects (laughs) instead of people
0: Um, yeah really cross-training your life in general doing other things and doing new things and Trying yeah. new experiences. Because at some point, you know, we, we got into this for a certain reason. We use Correct. skills every single day. And those skills are going to help us do something else when we want to. So we just have yeah. to make sure we're trying other things so we can find out what the perfect fit is going to be for us. If that yes. does not work for me.
1: Debbie Allen once said that. was a gal I performed in that was celebrating her. And sh- during her speech, she was like, when she's been executive producer on Grey's Anatomy... And she was like when I started directing, it just came naturally to me and like how the camera would move throughout people. And she said everyone around her was so impressed. And she said, Well the honey, that's being a dancer. She was like, I know how to move people, I know how to work in and out of people. And then like watch a dancer on a New York City subway platform. Like we weave around anyone. Like we're just so aware and like dancers can do so many other things because of what we've been taught. And we don't even know it half the time. Yeah. So I think no, we right. just need to we need to know how our heightened sense of awareness and use it in other aspects so we don't get burnt out because it is easy mm-hmm. to be burnt out as a dancer and we can get yeah. so invested and so hard on ourselves but go do other things and then
0: come and back I mean, to this. at some point your body does jerk you know
1: oh it my starts god starts
0: yeah. pushing back a little bit so
1: Twi- anything, twice a day
0: <laughs> yeah, twice three four times a day <laughs> it pushes back in yeah. in full revolt but um yeah you really it's challenging your mind still and making yourself open to possibilities for sure i love it all yes yeah thank you so much i really appreciate it thank you i appreciate you i can't wait to come see you at disney same
1: mickey's most merriest celebration
0: i can't wait all right talk to you later okay bye bye um